I have been on staff now, pastoral staff here at Crestwick for just about two and a half years, almost two and a half years. And during those two and a half years, Steve has really only asked me to do two things amongst all the other responsibilities that I am given by Sam and Stephanie and whoever else. Um, Steve wants me to, number one, make a good pot of coffee every day that I come into work, which I think I have successfully done. And the second thing, which I have up until this point not so successfully done, is write and complete an ordination statement of faith, an ordination statement. We as Crestwick Baptist Church have a state, statement of faith to become a member, you must read it, sign it, and agree with it. Um, to be a part of the fellowship of evangelical Baptist churches in Canada, uh, for a church to become a part of that, you need to be able to sign that statement of faith. An ordination statement is really just a personal statement of faith. What do you as an individual believe and understand the Bible to be teaching? And there's a whole process involved that um, I write, Steve edits, reviews, quizzes, um, ultimately, it gets sent to a council of pastors within the fellowship, and then they get together and they quiz me. And it's really to um, to help affirm the calling of an individual into pastoral ministry and uh, to recognize that one is suited for the ministry. So Steve has asked me to do that, and up until a few weeks ago, um, I hadn't started it. But with all of the changes and the slowing down of uh, just the pace of life here at the church over the past couple of weeks. I've been able to actually devote some more time to, to studying and thinking. I've been reading some systematic theology books, um, reading some more articles, and just trying to gather as much information as I can as I try to write and formulate my own thoughts. And um, we thought that it might be helpful for uh, myself in working through this stuff to present some of the things that I've found, to present some of the the doctrines that I found interesting and helpful to you so that it might be helpful to you as well. Um, these, this will not be exhaustive in any sense. Um, there are others who have written very long systematic theology books on these topics, um, which I encourage you to go look those up if you're interested for more information. Um, but this is meant to be just a little, little snippet, little uh, sneak peek preview into what I've been working on and learning over the past couple of weeks. So one of the major uh, doctrines that, or primarily the, the first doctrine that people start with when they uh, work through this process is the doctrine of scripture. The doctrine of uh, the Bible. What is the Bible? Where does it come from? What, what is the point? What does it mean? Um, both comprehensive and understandable, but also getting into some technical stuff. And typically there are four major characteristics that um, are attributed to the scriptures, and those being the authority of the scriptures, the clarity of the scriptures, the necessity, and the sufficiency of the scriptures. And so the first one that we run into when you work through systematic theologies is the authority of the Bible. Where does the authority of the Bible come from? We talk about the Bible being the Word of God, and there are multiple ways of understanding exactly in context what the Word of God means. In one context, when we say the Word of God, we can mean the audible words that God spoke. So Genesis, creation, Garden of Eden, God speaks and is audibly heard. His voice is audibly heard. You think of God speaking to the people of Israel. His voice was audibly heard by the people, and they were actually terrified and asked Moses to then be the 
the mediator between them and God. They didn't want to hear the voice of God anymore. It was, it was too terrifying for them. God spoke to prophets, to people throughout time and history, and they audibly heard his voice. So there's one sense in which the word of God uh, can, can mean uh, his audible voice in, in certain contexts. And in that context, the authority of God's word comes through in his voice. The, another way in which um, we can use God's word is through the spoken word, the communicated word of the prophets and the apostles, the way in which they were talked, talked to, told by God exactly what to say. And so when they spoke, they would say, thus saith the Lord. And in many times, in various ways throughout the, the history of God's people, has God chosen to do that? And there's another sense in which when they speak as God's mouthpiece, when they bring God's word, they carry God's authority, not in and of themselves, but because they bear, uh, bear witness to and bring God's word to the people. When we talk about God's word, when we talk about the Bible, um, in the context of the scriptures, we're talking about the written word. Um, we're talking about the words that have been written down, yes, that have been heard audibly at some point by uh, somebody in history, words that have been communicated to prophets and apostles through which they have communicated verbally and then perhaps written down as well. And then there's also the written word that was not directly communicated by God. We'll get to this in a second. But was, uh, but was inspired by God, by his Holy Spirit to write down. There's another sense in which the word of God can ultimately point forward to Jesus Christ. So when we use the term, the word of God, we can actually point at Jesus. And we can say that he is the definitive word of God. He is the incarnate word of God. He is the word of God in human flesh, in bodily form. And when he speaks, he bears the word of God. When we talk about the Bible, we're obviously talking about the, the written word. and But what we need to recognize in the context of all of these different usages of the term uh, word of God, they all carry the same divine authority. God speaking in Genesis 1 has authority. He has authority in Genesis 1. We can see that he has authority displayed in the fact that when he speaks, things happen. We know that the authority of God carries through the prophets and the apostles by when they speak God's word, it comes to pass. Things happen, not just in future terms or talking about things that God predicted, but things happened when they spoke because they bore the word of God. We see in the written word that it carries the exact same divine authority as God's audible and uh, heard word. We shouldn't think that there's a difference between the written word and the word that God spoke in the past. We sometimes make that mistake in, um, in our own lives where I can see that example in my kids where I can tell my children to do something or not do something. And whether they listen or not uh, is uh, sometimes up in the air. But the authority of my voice coming to my children um, is heard by them. I can say the same thing to both of them. I can say something to Amelia, and she can communicate my word, which carries dad's authority, to her little sister Naomi, and her little sister does not take it as authoritative. She does not listen to the communicated authoritative word of her father through the mediator of her sister. Now, that's 
partly um, cute and funny to just watch kids try to learn and figure out how to communicate. But in a greater sense, it's, it is true that we sometimes do that with the written word of God. We don't take it to be as serious as if God were speaking himself. We sometimes think about how God, if God showed up, or we heard God's voice, would we not listen? Would we not pay attention? Would we not know and understand and obey exactly what we heard? Well, we, we do. We do hear exactly what God is communicating to us through his written word. The authority of the Bible does not come through the authority of the human authors. It comes through the divine author, God himself. And as we read the Bible, and with the help and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become convinced of this divine authority. We actually begin to see and make connections with the divine authority. We see how human authors of Scripture are not the source of authority. And this is helpfully, helpfully um, summarized in two passages, ones that I'm sure we're familiar with. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, where all Scripture, it says that all Scripture is God-breathed. It's breathed out by God himself. All Scripture... All of the words that God communicates to us comes from Him. It's, it's coming directly from Him to us. And the second passage is, is 2 Peter 1, verses 19, 19 through 21, which tells us how prophets spoke from God, carried along by the Holy Spirit. They spoke their own words. They used their own words, their own abilities. They, people throughout history, the prophets and apostles, they spoke, they wrote, and communicated in their own unique fashions, in their own unique ways. But they were carried along by the power of the Holy Spirit so that, at the end of the day, what they were communicating was exactly what God wanted them to communicate. So they write down exactly what God wants them to write down. And that means that we read exactly what God wants us to read. There's nothing missing. There's nothing mistaken. There's no problems with it because it is God himself who oversaw the authorship of his word. We can take a few implications out of this, some applicable things from the authority of the Bible and the, ver the fact that it's God's very word to us. We should be willing to recognize and understand that because it is God communicating to us and it carries the same divine authority as his spoken word, we should read it. That may be one of the most obvious things that we can say at this point, but we should read it. And we should read it carefully. And we should go over it with a fine-tooth comb. We should be willing to sit down and devote time to paying attention to what the Creator, King, and Lord of the universe is communicating to us. The second implication flowing out of reading it is we need to actually obey it. We need to see and understand what He's saying and then follow through with what He's asked us to do, what He's commanded us to do, not just in terms of lists, the lists of do's and don'ts, but in terms of how to live our lives, how to process, how to think, how to approach fundamentally the things in life that we run into. We will only ever find out what God wants from us, what God demands, what God wants and desires for his people by reading his word. That is how he communicates to us, and we should not treat it like some thrown together, cobbled, ancient manuscripts that really have no coherent or cohesive way of being put together. God himself has put it together, and he has given it to us 
for us to recognize that it carries his authority. Uh, Lord willing, in future weeks, I will be able to take uh, 10 or 12 minutes to expand uh, a little bit more on the scriptures and Lord willing, uh, moving forward, expand on the other doctrines that I've been working through and learning on. Um, if you would like more information about some of these, uh, these systematic theologies, you can get in touch and we will, I will uh, direct you to those things. <clears throat> and you can start looking through this stuff yourself. Hopefully this has been helpful to you. May the Lord bless you.